Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFT. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is you have now joined Jenny from the Blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. For today's interview, we have Roger Dickerman joining us. He is the creator of the 24 Hours of Art Report, the founder of Artifacts Project, and host of the Future of Art Podcast. Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. One of the more impressive intros around. I'm very excited to be here. Jenny is a pro. Wait, what if he was talking about our pod intro music? Oh, the intro music? Well, well, that's amazing, too. (laughs) That's it's just Los. Both of them are pros. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky, Roger. I just get to sit back. Let's go. Well, same here. Lucky to be here. (laughs) Excited for a deep combo. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And, you know, we talk a lot about NFT projects, but this is really going to be a, a good episode about art, NFT art, um, which, you know, I think our people that are really into NFT art are going to enjoy. But we wanted to start by asking how you got into Web3. Web3 connected every dot for me. I'm, I'm a weird one. Okay, so I have one foot firmly in like the business finance statistics data side and another foot into the art appreciation side. So Started for me, childhood, art appreciation, collectibles. Fast forward a bit, a lot of academic rigor, get into business and finance. I worked for a global market making firm. Then I decided to break out on this big entrepreneurial journey with my now wife. We started a fitness and wellness business. That was like where the community, the connection, developing some programs for a lot of people at once came into play. When COVID hit in 2020, that officially ended the business, which was a shame on one hand, but on the other side. We were, you know, burning out a little bit. And for the past several years, I developed a conviction in cryptocurrency. So it was already well, well on that trajectory. It was, you know, experimenting with poker and the resurgence of collectibles and all sorts of different things. And then in the summer of 2020, I found NFTs. And I found NFTs first as a token of provenance at an auction house. It was actually a big, major physical sculpture being sold for, I believe, at the time over a million dollars. And it had an NFT attached to it. And I thought, This is really interesting. Let me look into this further. Soon after, I found Nifty Gateway, a platform that I think we all know. And then I started trading NFTs. And very, very quickly from purely trading them, I started to appreciate them, form relationships with artists, would advise them on different market structures and why they were seeing what they were seeing and addition counts and pricing and all sorts of different things. And by 2021, really by February 2021, I was like, all right, I need to be here full time, all the time. And that's the beginning. Let, let, let me let's circle slow down just a little bit because that's actually really cool. Summer of 2020 is very early. You know, I was I came in with everybody basically January, February 2021. So you're summer 2020. You're at an auction house randomly because you love art, basically, because that wasn't what you were doing. Like, how did you end up there? And then and you were like, and what was that exactly like? And who was the artist auctioning off the piece that had like an NFT component for a million bucks? Yeah. So here's the thing. I actually was not 
fully absorbed in art at that moment in time. So I found it, I found it from the tech and cryptocurrency and trading side first, right? So I just saw it as a headline. You saw of, you saw the word token and you were like, what's that? What is this? How does it right. attach to the physical? What value is it adding? Like, why would this major auction house do that? How why would they position it like that? And it hit me over the head like a ton of bricks. I'm like, okay, this technology makes a lot of sense. I started exploring more of its use cases. And then I sort of backed into digital art, digital art ownership, digital I, digital asset ownership outside of crypto. Obviously, I was already a, a Bitcoin believer and Ethereum believer, but then my mind got open to a whole lot else. That's awesome. I wish I would have got in just six months earlier like that. It was a it was Love a wild it. time. Yeah. It was a wild six months. It was very, yeah. very fast moving. And I guess the beginning of like summer to October, the all the signs were there. Then Beeple comes into the space in, in art specifically. That was October 2020 on Nifty Gateway. Fawocious comes in at the same time, gets a lot of publicity through uh, yeah. Anthony Pompliano and the, and the Pomp newsletter. And then it just sort of hits face melting fr- frenzy over the the months to follow. Yeah, when yeah, did, I, uh, oh, go ahead, Jen. I was going to say, I joined October 2020, but I wasn't into like, all the NFT stuff, I was only into ME Top Shot. And then I didn't really get into ETH NFTs till like early 2021. So yeah, I kind of missed all that, even though I was early. And it's like, you can just be in different niches and not even know everything else that's going on. And then I had a follow-up question too. Did your wife also get into NFTs with you? Uh, as you could probably imagine, I don't know who has relationships or not, but as you could probably imagine where one person falls all the way down the rabbit hole to the point that they're spending what feels like 24 seven, it's a, it, it turned into a bit of a point of frustration where every now and again, she'd comment on an artwork and say, I like this or I don't like this. But quite often it was like, stop, just take a minute, take a step back. That's become a lot easier as the years have gone on. But in that peak run up that I think surprised a lot of us in the moment, it was just really, really hard to take that time. Michael, can you relate? Yeah, oh, I can relate for sure. Uh, <laughs> my my wife, so I'll talk about ours. Like she could care less about any of it. The only thing, like I'll get a message, will be like, "How much is the board ape worth? How much is the board ape worth?" That's like the only really thing she cares about, which is gone now. So I don't even really get too much. How much ETH do we have? How much ETH do we have? <laughs> I, I heard ETH is going up, but that's about it. Yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate. And 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 during that run up, you're right. It was 24 hours a day. Because there was stuff happening constantly. You felt like if you weren't on Twitter waiting for the next surprise drop that was coming, because they they were very much in favor, surprise drops. Hey, I'm an artist, I'm at, but they went out of favor with all the with all the fraud. Cause like nobody was like, I'll never release a surprise drop. So don't like click on anything if I'm trying to be like that. But like you had to be around. And there was, I remember like like the art block things, I'm sure. Uh I bought I famously uh infamously bought a Fidenza and sold it for 0.25 because I had no idea what was going on. But I just saw somebody on Twitter being like, these are about to sell out. So I was like, all right, I'll go buy one. I don't know what it was. It was like some weird looking thing. And I just sold it. There was a the, lot of that. The golden era of before the scams caught up to the opportunity, right? When it was all just right. all opportunity right. all the time. You weren't worried right. about clicking on fake links for a hot minute. You were clicking right. on everything, connecting to everything. Yep. Yeah, yep. just like right. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. DC okay. Investor bought my sorry. DC Investor bought my Fidenza and still has it. Turned out to be a good buy. 
<laughs> good for him. Yeah. Well, Thanks for both of rest. you. I mean, like, listen. Yeah. Oh, all... nah, it's a good story. It's a good yeah, story. Exactly. It's a exactly. Good story. Yeah. It's a good story. I've told it a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, Jen. No one will ever forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So when did you start like curating the 24 hours of art report? Because my goal was like, oh, this guy I follow, like, we have to get him on. He has this 24 hours of art report that he's always coming out with. And um, that was like the famous thing. So yeah, we need to get into the 24 hours of art. Let's do it. So, so, all right. I collected my first NFT. It's really fun that we're recording this episode today. I collected my first NFT yesterday, three years ago. Um, so I, I had formed Yay. my conviction. I tried to collect people. I didn't understand that I had to fast. This is people's first job, October, 2020. Didn't understand yet that you had to be real. You had to be like hardwired into the internet. Fast click the first second. It was that nifty gateway era where if you didn't click within a millisecond, you were not getting the addition count. So I miss people. I miss Felocious, even though I'm right there trying to click from my mobile phone, LOL, like the people who were trying to do that. Then I realized, all right, here's how I have to get serious and here's how I have to approach it. An artist named Slime Sunday releases The Last Stand of the Nation State. Now, that's November 6, 2020. This is the first ever accessible open edition. So it's the first ever open edition that's priced low as a signal, hey, everyone, if you want this, come collect it. It was $40 at the time. Um, so that was my first ever NFT. Now, to get back to your original question, that's why this episode is so fun. This interview is so fun to do with you today. But to get back to your original question, I started writing analysis later that year. So in December 2020, I said, hey, I, I feel like I understand enough about this market. Um, I have the trading background. Let me just start talking about it. And I started talking about it on Twitter and got a few things out there in different publications and whatnot. And then I started to write this analytical report approximately once every week. But as I got buried in artifacts and the brand and growing the business, I slowed down on that and ultimately lost that thread. I would still do NFT origin stories, plenty of artist interviews, interviewed people and Gary Vee and a whole host of amazing people. But the reporting side of me I would do for myself only, informally, behind the scenes. Basically, every single day, rain or shine, work week, vacate, didn't matter. I was doing it pretty much every single day. A couple months ago, so it was the month of August of this year now, August of this year, I make a decision. I'm like, I've been too behind the scenes. I need to get my voice out there more. It's a bear market. I want to be part of growing this. This is why I'm here. I'm here with whole, whole self, whole passion. How can I do that? Mando... Of, of Mando and OSF and Rec Guys, Mando releases his first things I'm looking at today or things I'm paying attention to. And it's like this big TLDR of broader crypto. So he's just these little one-liners on tokens, on Bitcoin, Ethereum. And it's got this little section at the end of it, NFTs and small cap. And I was like, all right, I want the art. Like, come on, Mando, where's the art? But that's not his lane, right? He pre- appreciates the art, but he's, he's not interested in doing that. So I saw the very first day he puts that out. I say to myself, I want the art. And then I say, I've been doing this myself for three three years running. Let me take a crack at this. The very next day, I release my first 24 hours of art. A lot of people pile onto it. I say, hey, there's something here. We got to keep going with this. And now three months later, we've evolved it. It's become a newsletter. And I'm looking at, you know, what wait, ways to keep to keep growing and keep using that voice. Yeah. Jenny's right, man. I... So I must have been there. I was there pretty much at the beginning. I was going to tell you that I've been on it for like two or three months. I didn't know exactly how long. So it was probably really early. We connected last year before the Super Bowl a little bit. 
obviously for the birds, let's go birds. We have the best record in the NFL. We need to obviously say that Andy and I are both from Philadelphia, Northeast Philly. And I saw, I don't know if you want to say where you're from, but I saw it says online. So, but, uh, Let's go Philly. Just Absolutely. As, yeah. yeah. No, go Let's birds, go, go bird. No, but that that's we connected a while back. And then I started seeing this newsletter. And then I realized every single day and the amount of detail that you put into that, like, I don't know if there's like some kind of aggregator or if you're just like scanning and watching. I'm sure you have like a routine where you look at the different places, but like it's incredible. I've learned so much about like. I've learned more from your newsletter about just straight crypto art than I have from anywhere else in the I, last few months. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, I really, I believe in this phrase, the inspiration ecosystem. I really believe in it. I believe you give and you get, you give and you get, and it's a cycle that ideally you keep, you keep playing into that, right? You keep giving and then you, and you find ways to take that back. What I take back, if comments like that fire me up, like, legitimately fire me up to keep doing this and keep improving it. But I, I thought, hey, maybe I can lend something of value, but it takes putting it out there day after day to really figure out whether that's true or not. And so it's, like hearing yeah. that means a lot, man. Dude, it's the truth. I follow all the artists I can on there. I retweet it every time I see it. Like I have the notifications on for it. It's perfect. It's in the morning. It tells you it's it's a great recap. Like so much information in there, man. Like valuable information every single day. Like I honestly appreciate it. So that's cool to hear you say that, but it's, it's a really special thing. And, and then I noticed also that there's an actual newsletter for it. So I signed up for that as well. Um, so anybody, anybody that's interested in crypto art, I mean, it's, it's the place to see what's happening. Um, how do you collect your, how do you collect? What's your process like? Collect for the report. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a little nuts. I'll admit it, you know, but again, I'm all the way in the weeds. So why not like flex the here in the weeds, right? So it is a process of scooping up a couple different aggregators. You mentioned that it's a process of going into a handful of marketplaces specifically, because a lot of these marketplaces will not get pulled onto the aggregators. It's a process of being aware of a lot of the specific artist contracts, because some of those smart contracts, they're great for artists, right? I very much believe in that path of owning your contract, not great for reports, Sometimes they will be left off of all of that. So it's it's an exercise in awareness. How many things can I stay on top of? And then the last thing I want to mention is the relationships, right? I've had the good fortune and privilege of developing a lot of really positive relationships. And a lot of people outright contribute. They'll send me DMs the day before and they'll say, hey, we just want to make sure I know this isn't going to be on an aggregator. Want to make sure you have this. You know, obviously, hey, as it goes, sometimes I am filtering out stuff that doesn't necessarily belong on the report or someone's trying to force something on, but I get a yeah, lot. You're, cur you're curating the report for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. But I get a lot of those messages that, that quite honestly, those items would not make it onto the report without. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, a little bit of history, NFT catcher, the original NFT catcher site from May, 2021 was an aggregator of NFT drops a little bit different, but a little bit similar Yours Yours talks about sales and stuff, but we were doing, a very similar, like a, a similar thing with respect to gathering information, letting P and people were coming to us and telling us uh, who the drops were. We ended up having 70 some thousand people on our uh, mailing list. We have those emails still. Let's sign what up for that. It was a happened? calendar. Well, it, a bunch of things happened. So early on, the reason the, the idea came up because I was a ticket broker and there's a company in the ticket broker world called shows on sale 
that does the same thing. Every morning they list every show and every sporting event that's going on sale. So I was like, the NFT space needs this. This was May 2021 when there was like a few things going on. So they were happening and it was great. And we were doing all the art and we'd be as comprehensive as we can, just like the shows on sale. But it started to get to be a little too much. And then it started to get to be like in January, February, March 2022, that everything was just starting to be garbage. And like we were, you know, we were just trying to be comprehensive. And then it started getting to be that people were coming to us with things that were scams. And right, somebody right. somebody went to our website, saw a drop, and it was a scam. And there's no way for us to vet because they people were just rug pulling whatever. And we gave that person their money back. And we were just like, it's not, it's not really, you know, we started doing other things. We got into consulting and lots of different things, but uh, that the website ran its course. It was great, but we still do have those emails. Of, uh, it's amazing. And it, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense too. I mean, when, especially when markets catch fire and the scam, like right. you said before, the scams catch up, it's gotta be hard to keep your finger on that. Yeah, there was there was just that's that's what it was. Like, and that's, that's how we named this podcast NFT Catcher. Yeah, game. this is that's NFT. Well, I wasn't that. even a part of the your site or anything, but in the no. beginning, I was like, I don't know if I'm sold on us doing a pod together. So I was like, you can name this whatever you want. And you're like, NFT Catcher Pod. And now yeah, it's pretty much. And if you look at our logo, the green is old school Kelly Green. Literally the hex code, the exact respect. Color. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So when you see that, that is what that green is. Love, love it. So where are we at? So that's, I'll just, I'll just finish that off by saying that 24 hour report, everyone should go check it out. You look at it. So you basically go through it. You, you'll, you know, you have some pictures of art. You have the highlights of what the sales were and you have like the, the collection highlights, the one-on-one highlights, the one of one of X, which is basically like where they're all unique, but it's a collection of 500,000, whatever it is. And further down, what else goes on? Edition highlights and then oh, oh that's like open editions and whatever it is editions of uh like uh ERC eleven fifty fives or whatever or any kind of different ways but it's just it's really comprehensive every single day and there's so much stuff to follow and see and learn it's awesome I saw you put Opepin on there right and but is that how do you choose to do that one and not like oh hey you already know the question I guess I just uh, found it is- interesting. Well, it's okay. So, so as you might imagine, right, it's a very information dense report and time, Mm -hmm. like time constraint is very important, right? Slapping a time constraint on it. So for the most part, for almost the entirety of it, it's, it's no PFPs. And I thought that that was a very distinct, like I kind of needed to make that distinction. Mm -hmm. It's not, I have nothing against it, but it's the same reason I don't cover tokens or something else. I needed to pick pick a link. Of course, of course. So OPEP in addition is it's like a source of almost controversy for myself and maybe myself alone within the report where technically you could look at that and say it's a PFP. You could also look at it from another side and you see Jack, who I have just deep respect for as as an artist, Jack coming in and collaborating with an incredible subset of artists within it, just collaborated with Snowfro, with the Snowpeppins. So long story short, obviously the collection is doing quite well. And I felt like it hit enough of the line between and it strays into art often enough that I at least wanted to cover it from a collection volume standpoint. But you'll notice I'm not always grabbing all the sales out of there. I, yep. I tend to, I tend most days I'll gloss it and, and stick it in collection volume. But then when he goes out and collaborates with an artist like Snowfro, I'll make a bigger deal out of it and I'll blow it out into its own section. Totally. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate the perspective there. It's funny that uh, I saw that and thought of it. And that was definitely something you have thought of as well. So it's pretty cool. Um, 
let's get into artifacts. Tell us about artifacts. Uh, what's going on with it? Because I don't know. I looked. I looked, but I honestly don't know too much. So I'm interested to hear, and then we'll we'll have a convo about it. The term that we like to use is Web 3D. So think of that as the intersection of Web 3, which to us is digital art ownership, right? I, I find that to be one of the most fascinating use cases of the blockchain. These digital artists who really had nothing to do except form their own businesses or contract to brands or, you know, you see them light up Times Square, but no way to actually deliver that art directly to a collector. NFTs roll around, blockchain rolls around. So I'm, I'm fascinated with that use case endlessly. So that's the Web3 side of it. Then 3D is, is 3D. I really do believe in a 3D future. I think that in 2021, you know, maybe the thought was that that was around the corner. Maybe now we realize we need things like the Apple Vision Pro. We need app. We need companies and brands like Apple to really be iterating on this, take us to what still feels inevitable, but maybe just a little further off. So Artifacts is the intersection of Web3 and 3D. And of course, we have the fine art angle. So the goal with Artifacts, when when I hatched the brand in February 2021, we released first in May of 2021. The goal was saying, okay, this place is going to get nuts. Everyone's going to want to be on the blockchain. There are a significant group of artists here and now that are innovating here, that are leading this forward. How do we honor those artists? So believing in 3D, I started to think about use cases for the art that could actually emerge into 3D. Think about like a painting on a canvas, and then the central character of that painting steps out of the canvas into 3D form, okay? So we have a digital sculptor. The art director of Artifacts is Dirk at work. He's also the art director of Aku. So Dirk's very established was releasing art himself on the blockchain prior to both of those projects. I had found him through another legend of crypto art named Coldy. Um, we synced on it, and then Dirk came aboard to do the actual sculpting. And then the process from there for us was, okay, who is going to be in this central body of artists? There will ultimately be 100. As of today, 40 of them have been released. And each artist brings a one-of-one -one artwork. And then we create that digital sculpture of the central figure in the artwork, and that becomes an addition 3D. Okay, so that's what you have behind you. And we that's were like, when you first popped on, we were like, is it because it looks so good? Is like, is that almost real? So yes. this, ba this background yeah. here. So, okay, I mentioned the one of one. We create the 3D edition and we kind of didn't stop there. We said, okay, there are lots of amazing places I'd mentioned on Cyber first off. You can create digital galleries, you can bring 3Ds into those galleries. We said to ourselves, Let's create the highest fidelity use case possible and show people what a 3D is capable of. So we started playing around with Unreal Engine 5. That's a, a Fortnite and Epic Games, right? We started playing around there. We built 18 custom worlds. And what you see behind me is the world of Raf Grissetti. So Raf Grissetti, the, the infamous art director of God of War, now building a AAA game over at Netflix, has released some fabulous art on blockchain. He's an artist who's been aboard Artifacts as one of the current 40 and this is one of those 18 custom worlds. So back here, back here, that's the 3D. That's part of Artifacts, right? So the room is kind of based around that. It's modeled after a, uh, an atelier, like a sculpture studio in Italy, actually modeled it off of the blueprints of a place that Raf enjoyed. An and atelier? Atelier, like what a word. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> a word. word. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that word before. I Let's don't think go. I've ever heard that one. Yeah, that's a good one. And then, and then all around it, so Raph actually brought in a lot of his other assets. And this, this over here, probably his most famous work, Lady Justice in 3D. Uh, and it just became one of those really, really special projects to work on. That was a that was a physical first. The lady, ladies of Lady of Justice. 
So his process for this, I believe he actually modeled it physically first, but used it to to create a digital a digital right. version, right? So it's actually released in MP4. It's an anim- It's a, it's a video. Um, it's a okay. video. Um, lives out there. You can search Raf Cressetti on OpenSea, and it's uh, again he sold that at Christie's auction house. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's, that's amazing. It's stunning looking, and I'm sure close up, it's even better. Um, is it? Are you familiar with Vivi? Is it a similar technology? How they Kind of, do you know what they do? So I was familiar with them when they were doing releases back in the day. Has it evolved? Are they doing something specific now? No, they're still releasing these basically like 3D rendered statues. Uh-huh. Um, I, and you'd probably even know, what, be able to say it better than me, but I don't think he's available. But it, like you could kind of display them in augmented reality. Is this augmented reality? Is that? We can, so that's that's the fun thing about artifacts and why I right. like why I like 3D so much and why I like yeah. the 3D sculpture. We now have so we have a custom art uh, artifacts Apple app that we built. So you go mm-hmm. on the Apple App Store, you can pull down these sculptures, you can you can blow them out in AR, you can resize right. them, you can scale right. them. Um, I just think like in some ways, and of course, there's going to be many mediums of art that succeed. Um, I just think this is so clear. Like it's clear as day that this use case exists. We just need the tooling to get better. You got but, yeah, but you're spot on. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're going to walk into somebody's house with your glasses on that look like these, and I'm going to walk into your house, and that's not really going to be there, but I'm going to see it 20 feet tall like it's real. Yeah, and imagine this too. This is fun. Um, I needed NorCal. So NorCal guy, an amazing collector in the space. He's uh, the founder of Click Create as well. We had a podcast recently, and we got talking about that exact thing. So he's an artifacts collector. We were talking about the 3D use case. And we got around to this interesting topic. Like, imagine how you go to a gallery now, right? You're on the streets of New York or Philly or you name it. And there's a gallery on the street. And let's say they're doing an exhibition. You enter the door. And typically speaking, there might be a little like brochure. And you walk around. There's either screens or physicals. And they're arranged in a certain sort of way. Well, what NorCal guy and I got to talking about, imagine if you went into a space that had just plain white walls and you could flip between exhibitions like it's almost within ar that that room took on 10 different exhibitions and you could actually sit there and tour 10 different things and spend more time in that gallery and you let's say the three of us were in that gallery all touring we could be looking at three very different but all cohesive things on those walls you're right roger and then just to top on that imagine how much you save with a traveling exhibition that doesn't even have to send art around the world it's true it's true You could do it in multiple different places. It all can tie to the same tokens of provenance. It's it's really, it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I'm excited to see what people do with it. I'm excited to see what we do with it. Yeah, super cool, man. I love that. I also feel like we need to clarify because I keep getting a little confused. We're talking about artifacts, A-R-T-I-F-E-X, not That's artifacts, the right. R-T-F-K-T-K or whatever. That's right. Because um, I don't want anyone to get confused. Two totally different things. But yeah. And then when you're talking about how people could see different things, it kind of reminds me of like silent disco, where it's like everyone has their headphones on and they're jamming to different music, but everyone's like dancing together, but they're kind of like listening to different things. It's just like the coolest thing ever. So that reminds me of that. Dude, I love that use case, man. I I can imagine that. Well, everyone has glasses on. Yeah, you walk into so a big sick. empty room and like with AI you're basically everybody can see something customized to what they're going to like eventually uh-huh. as well. Like everyone can see, just like Jenny said, everyone can see something different, like literally customized to exactly what you're going to, you tell it what colors you like. And like, it makes, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. 
That's exciting. It's fun to think too. It takes it from, okay, so we have this like digital screen issue, right? Where you can have a 16 by nine screen. The artwork that's best suited for it is obviously those dimensions, right? And we've seen even in the early days, auction houses were getting that wrong. You'd see like the black bars on the sides of the screen and the artwork wasn't sized appropriately. But then once you get your hang of that, you could take a digital screen, throw it on the wall. And as long as you know those dimensions, you can circulate five, 10, 50 artworks onto that screen. Yeah. But imagine the meta now of instead of just one screen, we're going to treat an entire gallery like a screen and just it gets crazier and crazier. I love that. So Sc- yep. Screens now, they have these little modular screens. You've probably seen them. They're like magnetic, basically. Click, 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 click. They can be any size you want. And they look yep. amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, shout out to uh, Crypt Gallery in the Dream Hotel. They have that relationship. King of Midtown leads that up. But going into the lobbies of, of various hotels and just l- lighting them up with all sorts of screens with rotatable artworks. I, I, I want to see more of those types of relationships form. Totally. And then hopefully, do they do like where you can like scan it or tap it and then like takes you to what the NFT is? Yeah, yep. Cool. Like little little QR up. code. At Who the is that? What company is that? So it's Crypt Gallery. Crypt and then Gallery. King of Midtown is who heads that up. Cool. Um, I wanted to bring up Lucidia because we had Fuck Render on the podcast maybe like a year and a half ago. Feels like forever ago. And I mean, he was even talking about Lucidia then, which is like his baby. Um, and Artifacts, you guys are like helping curate Lucidia. Like, what are you guys doing for Lucidia? I just saw it in your your bio, but I didn't really know much about that. Yeah, it's a fun, that's a fun one to talk about because Fred, uh, Fuckrender and I go back to 2020. That was the year he started minting on blockchain. He started on Super Rare first with one of one works. And then he came over to Nifty Gateway at the tail end of 2020 and did his first release there. And I remember even from then the the scale and the scope of how he was approaching his art, it really did seem like then he was seeding his universe, right? Creating something sort of bigger than a singular artwork. And then he comes out with Fuck Renderverse, which was the original name of Lucidia, uh, releases that in the calendar year 2021. But why I've always been so fascinated with that is, you know, number one, he's a great artist himself. Number two, he has this vision to incorporate other artists. And then number three, he he leans all the way into 3D, no surprise, Unreal Engine, build, building this out in such a way where I, I like to use the term future-proof. Like some of these concepts you can see being very relevant to five, 10 years down the road if you keep evolving them. He's sort of creating this canvas that I think the use cases for will increase as the years go on. So where Artifacts comes into play with Lucidia is in recent history, this is now four to five months ago, Lucidia is going to be coming out with their, at that time, was going to be coming out with their first, uh, call it art era, right? They're terming it era, ERA, and uh, releasing five or six artists within that era. And then we started talking and then Artifacts does a lot of let's say some consulting, some curation, along with our core function of creating digital sculptures. And it just made sense. Fred and I had that longstanding relationship, a lot of respect for one another, loved what he was building, evolving it into Lucidia, now them going out and doing different events. You know, us talking about that AR use case. I mean, they have concepts that are perfect for projection mapping and AR and all sorts of cool stuff. So Anyway, long story short, that's what we do. We curate for Lucidia, and we're actually coming up on the last one of the year in December. Nice. Sweet. Thank you. All right, Michael, I know you got more questions. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, So I want to talk, we don't have to, I don't want to dwell on it, but you were a consultant for uh, 
the Akutar, right? Akutar when it dropped. So, well, Mike Ju Johnson, you probably got connected with him early on on Nifty Gateway. Uh, one of the first, he was one of the first artists I was ever told about NFT Gateway. One of my buddies, I got into NFTs just like Jen. The first thing I found was Top Shot. I wish I would have gone to ETH first. I didn't. Went to Top Shot and Vivi. Um, but he was like, yo, the sex baseball players dropping art and it's so cool and it's this character. And I loved it and followed it and loved everything. And uh, I mean, and Mike has been amazing and it was fun to watch. And then the Akutar drop happened. Were you a consultant when that was going on for the actual drop? So when Akutars were coming into existence, I was not officially, I was not officially on the team, but Mike mm-hmm. and I, as, as we said, like we're basically talking every you day. You were already buddies. Right, right, right. We were talking okay. about how yeah. I was kind of giving that perspective to him of how the market looked and felt at the time, you know, what, what the situation was. And, you know, I think pricing decision, like a general philosophy of mine, I think pricing decisions, um, I, I tend to believe in a market plus discount philosophy. I really like a healthy ecosystem where you're sort of passing some value to collectors. So my recommendation is always price as late as possible. So you yeah. can get the the most honest take of where the market sits at that present moment. So yeah, we had you know a lot of fun talking le- leading up to that release, um, yep. which I think like historical contract error aside was one of the more successful releases we've ever seen. It absolutely was right and that's what i was gonna say like i just wanted to ask like what was that we've talked we talked about it when it happened obviously and it wasn't anything to be happy i mean it was a horrible situation what was that moment like when they realized there was a mistake and that it's like locked forever was it like trying to scramble to like there gotta be a way like uh and and even in the aftermath by the way micah handed that handled that like Unimaginably, unimaginably well. Like we're just gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep grinding, and it's gonna be all right. We're gonna get past this. Like it was really impressive. But what was just that moment like? Because we've never talked to anybody that was oh kind of man in the middle of that. You bring bring back all the feels. Um, yeah. The did I mention the- that it was? Did I mention that it was thirty seven million dollars? So is that the number? I don't remember. 30, 34, But like, all right. So, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we go we go back in time. So. All right. So where, where do I sit? So Mike and I are getting closer. Um, you know, I'm help, helping with some of the market, the analytics, how to approach things. Um, obviously a big collector, right? Have a lot of Aku myself, a lot of belief in the project. Um, and so the conversations get more and more frequent. It's everything seating up, getting ready, ready, ready to release. But I'm not officially on the team. And so guess what? I give my last batch of advice. I kind of have, you know, an idea where I think things are going to fall. And then I shift purely into collector mode. And then for, for me, I was, all right, I have all of my chapters and I had all of my mint, you know, mint capacity, Brockatars, what I was going to get airdropped at the time. So I'm just looking at that. I'm ready to go. And then it happens. And I remember my family, we were going on vacation the next day, literally going, flying down to Florida the next day. And I remember it's the night prior and all this stuff starts to hit. And I remember, um, you know, as you might imagine, running a release, they they have a million things flying around. They're in a war room overseas, you know, stuff's coming left and right. I'm trying to get a read on whether there's an issue or not. I think there was moments when it felt like everything was fine. And then other moments where it's like, no, it's not. Uh, and then, you know, by the next day when we're taking off and flying down as a family to, to, to Florida, it's like, okay, this is a thing. There's probably no way out of it. And that it becomes, all right, how is it going to be handled from here? And then, you know, I, I, I sort of had one foot in both camps. I'd spent a lot of time with Micah. I had all all the empathy and it's like you, you feel how gutted everybody is. You feel gutted at the same time. 
And then the other side of me is trying to understand as a collector, like what's going on? Um, how's that all going to shake out? It became a really, really interesting week, but you, you keyed in on something important. I feel like when something like that happens, you see what someone's made of and how they're going to handle a situation. I do feel like he handled that as absolutely well as you possibly could once there was an understanding of what was up. It was very impressive. Uh, sorry, I'll let you talk in a second, Jenny. But yeah. I remember, I remember specifically because I was in those Twitter spaces listening to him talk. The whole team was there right away. I remember there was—I don't remember who exactly it was, but I remember him there and specifically hearing him talk and almost seeming like nothing really happened, like nothing real bad happened. And it's it's a lot of money. What it really makes you, what it really reminds me of, is how much money was flying around. Like we would burn. We would burn a hundred million dollars in gas sometimes, like it was nothing, you know. Like in this space, like it was like there was some money flying around. And I cut you off there, Jenny. I'll let you. Uh... No, I was just gonna say, like, for the listeners that are like, "What happened?" Like, we need to say. So I was just gonna like clarify that. And tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically there was like a bug in the contract to where all of the money that, you know, people like people bought all these Akbutars and, you know, they minted and all that money ended up getting lost in cyberspace, I guess. And nobody had access to it. So it's not like the team got all the money and like nobody got any of the money. And the money is locked in the yeah, contract, the, I think is the, is locked the, in the contract. Ter- yeah, okay. I think that's what they say, right? It's locked lost in forever. The I know. Yeah. So Mm. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I know Roger and I are just going off on topics, but uh, what what do you think would have been different with Akutars with uh, Aku Dreams if if that money would have been available? What do you think would be different right now? Well, it's all about scale, right? I think scale is hard no matter what. I think you can look at you know, look at what Board Apes is trying to do. Okay, they're trying to build a game that that is hard. They get building building a top end game is hard with hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And getting getting the adoption, the usership, the stickiness like that is hard with hundreds of millions, let alone anything else. But scale is the real issue. And when you have a character like Aku, which I think everyone saw themselves in to some extent, everyone saw the path, the mission. Uh, there was a lot of belief. There, it, by the way, I want to get back around to where Aku is today because that's. The belief and the conviction, the mission is just as true today please as it do. was then. Please do. Absolutely. Please do. Yep. Keep when going. we go back then and we talk about how money makes a difference, when you have a character like that that's as special was, you know, at the time option for a movie, we're talking about all sorts of different media expressions thereof. You know, that was the metaverse era, right? Everyone was trying to build the next metaverse. And when you would have a character like that, that can be expressed in a game in 3D, it, right? Like in shorts. In, in animations, losing that money, it takes away the ability to scale your team to meet some of those ends yourself, right? And it puts you in a position where you have to get, you know, a little bit more creative. You have to leverage partnerships more. You don't necessarily have the war chest or the treasure chest, right, to pull out of to uh, to do different things. So I think it becomes a scale issue and it becomes, you know, a necessity to really scale down and figure out a different path forward without those funds. But, you know, to get back around to, to today and where it's at, I think it is an exercise. It, it has been an exercise as time has passed in doing exactly that, properly scaling down, saying, okay, what is the path now? Like you, you got to forget about that stuff once it happens. Right? What's the path now? It's still a character that has as much of the mission as it ever had. A lot of people still rally around it. There still is a very strong core community around that character. 
and it's figuring out a new path forward. And so Mike has talked about, you know, sort of different North Stars, BDA expressions in the future, where this character will go. He's hard at work on art uh, based around Aku for Art Basel. It's going to be Aku's really first splash from an art perspective at Art Basel, oh, really? which I think is really interesting. And uh, and the man's building. So, sc- you know, scaled appropriately, I would say, for the here and now. And then now, once you do achieve the scale that makes sense, then it's all about execution. I, I still want to see that character go on to do a lot of amazing things. So do I. I love the character. Mike is awesome. I I really I w- I want to see that thing on Netflix and movies. I absolutely do, and I think that that's that's still in the uh, in the realm of possibilities here for sure. What's the art basil details? What's what what are they? Uh, where's it being displayed? I can't. I I don't have the the specific <laughs> specifics, but Mike is yeah. starting is starting on socials, which is highly encouraged. You know, for those who don't know him, give him a follow. Like 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 you said, goes way back to the year twenty twenty on Nifty Gateway. Yep. Was launching artworks even before Aku. Um, has a really interesting juxtaposition, right, of uh, a very serious physical art career. And now it's really interesting to see him doing that on behalf of Aku, right? Taking his art, putting Aku in his art, and then planning that at Art Basel. So he's starting to share that out on socials. Uh, so a lot lot of different teasers building up to something that should be good. That's what's up. I'm excited to, I'm excited to check that out. I'm an Art Basel OG. I've been going down there for like 15 years. There we go. NFTs. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Love Art Basel. Love Winwood. That's that's my spot for sure. Yeah, at, at uh, I think last year NFT. Now they did a whole thing at Art Basel uh, in Miami last year, and maybe I think it was during Art Basel. And they the had there was like a yeah 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 the gateway. There was a whole like Akutar statue there. I remember seeing. I was part part of arranging that. That was a lot oh, of really? fun. No, that's love the cool. guys. Love the guys at NFT. Now I actually did a one on one fireside chat with Micah on the stage then that that year and got the statue down there, which was like oh a last God. minute, you know, getting it, it, everyone kind of chipping in to make that statue happen uh, on site. So that was really really special to see that take place. And yeah, this year they're back at it. The gateway this time on South Beach. What happened with that statue? Like, where does it go? Who is like holding on to it? It's you know what's what's interesting. We see some companies that are experimenting now. I'll, I'll mention Transient Labs with um, like story inscriptions, like adding context to different artworks and different things. That statue needs like a lineage of inscriptions, right? So it sort of gets forged and then it goes on display in a public park in Philadelphia, right? Shout out Philadelphia. Spends a whole bunch of time there. You know, get gets on a truck, gets down to Miami at the Gateway NFT now. Spends a bunch of time there, gets carted back up to Philly. So it's, I believe, and don't quote me on this because I do not know this factually today, but I think it's in Philadelphia at the moment. But that's, that is a very, very True. seriously constructed statue with some very slick AR capabilities. And I hope that it, uh, mm. again, I hope it has a bit of a tour ahead of it. Wow, that's dope. Oh, that. Nice. Where did you say you saw it, Jenny? In Miami, at the NFT, did you go the the gateway? I did go to that. I did go, yeah, downtown Miami. I did go to that. Like when you first, yeah, I remember seeing it for some reason. The the thing of the statues, did you guys ever go in in Wynwood in the uh, that statue garden they have, like the Wynwood walls, the museum where there's all the statues in there, like Hebrew Brantley, and and they have like the painted walls, pretty cool area. That for some reason, that's what I keep picturing. But I do remember seeing the Aki one, but I'm just not placing it. Whatever reason, there's a lot, lot, lot of stuff mixing up. Yeah. Are you coming for Basil this year? I'll be there. How about you? I'll be there. Yeah. Well, I live down here, so I'm always here. Okay, so perfect. I'm, this is my this is my hometown <laughs> conference, so uh, I'll be down there. Hey. That'll be great to connect. Yeah, absolutely. You brought the Philly Amen. vibes down there permanently. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. 
for sure. And it was great when we beat the Dolphins a few weeks ago. That was yeah, nice. So true. So true. Yeah, that's always nice. I was getting a lot of texts. They thought they were going to beat us. Nope. nope. Nice. Nice. So what do we else we got? I thought this episode, I was like picturing we were going to talk about all kinds of art, Rafiq, Anadol, Matt came, whatever. But we got into so much cool stuff. And I know Jenny always cuts me off at an hour because she doesn't like to go too much longer than an hour. So I'm going to ask uh, my final question. This is one I really like to ask people. And especially I'm going to like to ask you. And you can have as few or as many as you want, but uh, any artists out there that you think deserve some more shine, some really talented artists, some people that you think that that people should follow and check out that you're fans of, I'd love to hear. I'd love to get some recommendations to check out for myself. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go all over the place for this. I'm going to go all shapes and sizes, right? I'll give you some major ones and some smaller ones. and they're, Love it. But, love but it. All, all to me equally valid, of course, like let that be said. So the first one I'm going to give you is an artist named Han, H-A-N. Han is the creator of uh, the original creator of a project called Crypto Cubes that was pre-art blocks, think curated generative. But the, the impressive thing about Han, so that was again released in 2020, he walked that project forward and he started to really be known as someone who put a lot of forward thinking into how he would evolve a project. So, you know, some people, hey, and that everyone has a way. Sometimes a project's released and that the creator never gives it a second thought. It's gone with the wind, you know, they leave it behind and that's fine. But Han has really always carried crypto cubes with him and he's been interested in figuring out ways to bring it fully on chain and just do really interesting things with the collection. So more recently, he's put over a year of effort into his most recent release and it's an artwork called Digital Soul. But the interesting thing about the artwork is that the artwork is the smart contract, is the marketplace. So if you think about some of the issues with different token standards, we had the whole royalty debate, right? Where platforms could set royalty, you know, let people adjust royalties, then have default zero royalties, created a big uproar, a lot of opinions from both sides. Having the smart contract be the art piece allows you to run every function through the smart contract. So you know you don't ever have to interact with the marketplace. I don't ever have to go to an open sea. I don't ever have to go to a blur. I can interact with the art itself and I can sell the art itself through that smart contract or buy the art itself through that smart contract. It's a bit different than a token standard. It's like a smart contract standard. And I think that type of out of the box thinking and that type of doing the due diligence to walk like a very serious and innovative piece of technology forward it represents the future. Like, will that be the standard? I don't know the answer to that, but I know it's going to be something like that. So I really think he's tapping at uh, where it makes sense to go along this. So I'm going to give that a big shout out. I know it's kind of a brain breaker. It's like a, it's a big, it's a big concept. Definitely sit with it for a minute. It took me a minute to wrap my head around, but the artist itself, I mean, he really is merging very thoughtful art with the technology. And I think he's like, one of the best representations we have of, uh, you know, crypto art, let's say. That is really interesting. And I found him. It's it's uh, at Han RGB on Twitter, if anybody wants to find him. So uh, so let me ask you a question. So if you, I, I get that. It's actually a, a really great concept. You don't have to worry about the marketplace. It's selling right on chain. But then you you have to go to Etherscan to do it, or are there are other ways to do it on chain. Because Etherscan would then be like the marketplace, kind of. So as with anything, like it, it's going to take better tooling around it to get it to a, a frame of adoption, right? Got you. So got like you. Han has built a website around it. That's a great step, right? So when he builds a custom experience around it, when you're interacting with that website, 
it, it can make you feel like you're interacting with buttons that you've been clicking for years and years and years. Right. But you're just reverse. interacting with the contract. Oh, that's really cool. Got you. I love that. Love that. And he just does it. It's custom for his contract or whatever. Exactly. So it's going to take, yeah. I imagine there's, you know, if this becomes a standard that's adopted, I imagine there will be custom UI UXs that can easily be wrapped around them and just make people's lives easier on that front. You know, who'll do that is probably manifold. There you go. Manifold and yeah. transient. The two, they're the yeah. two leads right. on that side. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Cool. All right. So, that's- so that's, so that's Han. Now let's go over to Yatrada, right? Have, have either, either or both of you heard about anything going on in Yatrada's world? I haven't. I think so only because wasn't that being talked about on your last Twitter space? I've been talking yeah. about it a bunch recently. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so one of your last Twitter spaces, um, I'm always on Twitter space. Sometimes I'm half work and half listening sometimes. So like, I'm not always, but um, I remember following you trader and, but you could talk, talk about them. Cause I, I want to hear. So you trader is a group of Ethiopian artists led, led by Kia. Who's wonderful. Um, also Kia and Joey L, if you're familiar with the photographer, Joey L, right. They, they are a couple, they're, they're just amazing, amazing people. But the group of artists that is Yatrada, they came onto the blockchain in the year 2021. They've released artwork to the tunes of hundreds of ETH. I mean, they've been very, very successful in the space, releasing several distinct collections. But most recently, they've come forward with their latest work. Um, a lot of times, they, they're they they're great storytellers. They're great storytellers. They always shoot on site. So typically, that takes place in Ethiopia right? Using various backdrops there. This time they're coming back to tell a really fun story. Uh, story of Adam and Eve is one we all know well. Adam and Yuan is the Ethiopian version of Adam and Eve. So it has a little bit of its own tale to it. They're telling that story through art. It's 13 artworks, um, all released. And and listen, they're taking a very, very serious approach to their careers right now. I think um, I've been advocating a lot for them because I think they represent the fine art path of of crypto art. And I think it's really important to have artists who continue to lean heavily into the blockchain. Like they want to, they want this to be their use case for art release. And yet they're being adopted into the Saatchi gallery. They're being adopted into Paris photo. You can see them crossing over into high end events. And I could, I think it's going to be people like them and groups like them that stretch this space and help us grow this space and gain respect for this space. So that's why I want to shout you trade out. As of today, they've sold four of the 13 artworks. The highlight artwork sold for 22 ETH, the other three for 10 ETH each. And then there's still nine artworks out there for uh, for collectors that, you know, that can that can stay open for quite a while. But I imagine they'll all find good homes. That's very impressive, those prices, as I'm sure you know, in, in a market like this. That's very, very impressive. Good stuff. As soon as you mentioned that they were the group from Ethiopia, I remembered exactly who you were talking about because I did I did dig into them a little bit. Um, there we go. Yeah, and for your your podcast, uh, what what's the name? The history of art or art? The, fu- uh, the future of the art. The future of art. Yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, is that your is that your Twitter space or is that totally different? No. So think think about what I do. And in, in, so we have artifacts. We talked a lot about artifacts. That's mm-hmm. the cr- creative brand. Think about everything else I do from two lenses. I want to report and I want to help you understand what's happening now. And that's the twenty four hours of art report. And I run a spaces on Mondays at one p.m. Eastern. And then I want to have conversations that invite talk about what's going to happen in the future. That's the future of art. It's an evergreen podcast on Spotify, Apple, yeah. Amazon, yeah. everywhere. And it's also a spaces on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thursdays at 1. Cool. Okay. Awesome. I'm not sure what, if that, one that, one. that. Yeah. One, beautiful. I love it, man. That's good stuff. What, what a great conversation. What a pleasure to have you on. Fellow Eagles fan. Uh, 
you're doing amazing work. I honestly believe that. Like it's it's a real pleasure seeing that every morning and just being able to to keep up with what's going on. So thank you so much. And thank you for coming on. But that's not the end. I'm talking like it's the end of it. We still have Gas Wars. And Jenny may have another question or not, but it might be time for Gas Wars. We'll see. I'm What's good. Up? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I have my like right. questions for Gas Wars ready. All right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick the, I'll, I could kick it off. So Gas Wars, basically, Roger, we're going to go uh, five questions back and forth. Uh, you can answer pretty quick. If there's something you want to say, we have fun. Like, it's not like strict or anything. So we'll just have a good time. And we go five each. And then that will be it. So my first one is going to be, what is your favorite podcast to listen to uh, other than this one, of course, and other than yours? I'm a sucker for Joe Rogan. I'm going to come out there and say yeah, it. That's I have a lot of, I'm, I'm, the future of art. I'm on a long form organic conversation. That's why like, I was going to, if this was the end, I was going to tell you how much I appreciated being here because that's how you guys roll. I That's my preferred way to speak. I like the rabbit holes. We figure our way into 30 minutes into something. So I've always appreciated how he's run it. I like I like when he has someone more serious on because I think he's able to add the levity to that and they get some interesting places. So I'll go Rogan. Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan too. I like that podcast. I like his, but they're just so long. They'll, they'll they be like five. I'm like, five hours is such a long episode. Okay, favorite Thanksgiving meal in honor of Thanksgiving coming up. It's coming up. I'm excited. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Absolutely. I like the I'm a fan of the perfect bite. So the perfect bite to me no. is like dry. I, I always think about turkey as dry, but then I think about turkey either with stuffing or with sweet potato. It, it can be one or the other, but the perfect bite to me is an equal ratio, an equal combination of dry turkey with one of those other two. That's nice. Do I get to ask you as well? Like now I, I want to know. <laughs> if you, you want to. Yeah, of course. What's everyone's favorite Thanksgiving bite? Mine is uh mine is gonna be like the the crispy edge of the the turkey leg. You know, you like take that first piece of piece of meat right off of it with a little bit of mashed potatoes and gravy poured over the top. If I had to take one bite, that would be what it is. Like that best piece of little turkey leg, mashed potatoes, vegan Jenny's like that. The turkey leg, you reminded me of the Thanksgiving football games with the Mm -hmm. the the turkey leg rewards. Rewards. Yeah, yeah. They always remind me of those disgusting ones at Disneyland, the smoked yeah. ones that are like not good and people are running around eating them. Yeah. Like at the Renaissance Festival where they have those. Yeah, exactly, legs. exactly. So exactly. true. Jenny, what um, about you? Uh, so this is not a good question for me because I'm vegan and I never really eat like traditional Thanksgiving food. But I mean, I like sweet potatoes, so. Let's go. Sweet potatoes. <laughs> nice. All right. What is the best concert you've ever been to? I, I've been to a lot of shows. I've been to a lot of shows. I've been to a lot of punk rock concerts back in the day in, in Philadelphia, Chocadero, TLA. Yeah, Trock. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. So, so I want to at least say that, that I have uh, I have tens of amazing historical concerts, but I'm going to give a shout out to the fam. I'm going to give a shout out to wife. We have a six-year-old daughter named Flora, and uh, we went to a Florence and the Machine show, which we have a, a mutual love of Florence and the Machine, and that's uh, that's you know where Flora came from. Oh, her name was oh, inspired. Wow. That yeah, is name sweet. was inspired. We we're thinking Florence, but with a little little twist and a little update. Laura, that, that is so cute. Um, what is something on your bucket list? Ooh, I guess we're going broad. We're going life now. I mean, I definitely want to travel more places. But um, all right, what is the bucket list? Ooh, I'll say travel. I want to. I want to make it to the Ireland Scotland region. I've never Whoa. been out there. It's part of my personal heritage. 
best place I've ever traveled was Japan. That's a fun story. Uh, but it's been too long. It's been too long. I want to get back out there. Oh yeah, travels what it's all about. Same here. Same here. I talk about it too much. So I won't. I yeah, won't Michael's like a world traveler. He's been to like I won't bore countries. No, nah, not quite. Not or quite. 50, about 50. half that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to be a hundred. It'd be awesome. I'll get there one day. What is your favorite dessert? Chocolate chip cookie. Just a straight up warm, warm. That's pretty basic. That's pretty basic. Do you know what? But like, you 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 go out there, you get all, you get out into the frills, and then you realize sometimes at the end of the day, it was it was there all (laughs) along. Just that basic, warm. Got to be slightly soft. I don't I don't like the the crunchy, crispy ones. Got to be slightly soft. Yeah, I pull them out of the oven a little early. I pull them out of the oven a little early for sure. No, sure. Nothing wrong with a little rawness. Yeah. 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 No, nah, a little bit. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you can eat people eat cookie dough straight up. So Yeah, of course. See, but, we're all on the same page. Yeah. It's better than the cookie sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Uh what is a book that's changed your life? So The Count of Monte Cristo, I'll go to. Alexander Dumas. Uh oh. also there's a movie as well. It's it's, it's just a an one of those epic, epic stories. And actually during a key phase of my life was when I sort of broke out of of I guess corporate America, so to speak. Um, that didn't have anything wrong with it. It just I I kind of wanted to go try and do something else. And it was a combination platter of two books that actually got me to to do the thing and to to separate. And it was one, it was that. And then from the nonfiction side, uh, the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss's first ever book. I think that was a real interesting mind opener, kind of the the, the do it yourself, anything is possible. Uh, those two books combined and and there we were we were off to Japan soon after. Hey. Nice. Love that. What is, if you could own one, only one NFT, it doesn't have to be one you own now, just only one. What is the Grail NFT? What is the one NFT you would own if you could only own one? Can I answer this two ways? Sure. All right. I'm taking some liberties here. All right. All right. So I, I have to mention again, just because of the day and the time, and the place it is, I could not imagine myself without Slime Sundays, the last stand of the nation state. It's just that special. It was that moment. I just, I, again, I can't envision life without it. So I'll, I'll put that there. But then I got to comment on something outside of myself and an artist that it will come of, of, of no shock or no surprise, but an artist that I've been just impressed with how he's handled himself throughout being sort of the rock star of NFTs, uh, people, right? Mm-hmm. I, that, that legacy artwork that, yes, of course, it sold for 69 million at Christie's. Um, but taking price out of it, that legacy artwork, what it means, the fact that it's a compilation of all of those years of doing the thing every day. Like I've been doing this report that I do for months every day. And to think that he is pushing on to, you know, he'll, he'll be on to two decades before we know it of doing something every single day. It means an awful lot to me. It means more than the artwork itself. It's like the evolution of a human being, conviction, dedication to the process, trusting of the process. So I'm, I'm going to go with that artwork. That's dope. You know, his kids are doing every days now too. Did you see I mean, the how, red guy interview? <laughs> how perfect is that? Yeah. Pretty funny. Okay. This one's a little, this one's pretty light, but what is your astrology sign? Oh, I'm Aquarius. Aquarius. But J- Jenny, what does that mean? You have to, I'm not like, I honestly ah, don't know. She's like, Oh really? I honestly don't oh, know. Really? But that's a water sign, right? I'm a water sign too. I'm a cancer. So let's go. There we go. <laughs> Leo. Oh, okay. yeah. Whoa, right. that was bad. That was bad. Uh, <laughs> Leave okay. that in, Andy. Don't cut that yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. Cut that out, please. Cut out my roar, my horrible. All right. No. What is your favorite comedy movie or show? 
What makes you laugh? I'm a, I'm a Seinfeld and Curb guy. So going old school. Yeah, school, Curb's I'm, amazing. Curb's amazing. I'm, I'm a Larry David guy for sure. Um, and then com- I'm going, listen, I'm opening up to you today. I, I, I really do have this super cheese side. I got the dad puns and all that good stuff. I like a good Adam Sandler movie. Well, yeah. depending upon who you are on the other side, you may your response may be a bad Adam Sandler movie, and that's that's fine <laughs> by me. You get old enough, you get no shame. So I'll, let me I'll, tell you, you're talking about like the cheesy Netflix movies he's putting out, like the Hollywood. I love, I I love dude. I love all those cheesy Netflix movies. Uh, the the comedies, like the stupid comedies. I love stupid comedies. I I don't like movies that are like. If someone's getting cancer in a movie, I have zero desire to watch that movie. The really sad ones, I know. Yeah, I know. like but I have zero no, desire to go. It, but it's such great acting. I have don't care. I want <laughs> stupid comedy. I want to laugh. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we and all need sports. a little. That's levity. all I do. And watch sports, right? And watch the sports, Eagles make me cry enough. You know. <laughs> not this year. Not, not no. Not, not so well, far. We got to get. Our, we got to get our <laughs> title. Like you know, we had we had a couple awesome years. We got to get. Got to get another ring. True. I was at Super Bowl 52, sat right in oh. front of Steph Curry, took a picture with him right after the game. That's great. That's a good, yeah, that's it was a good amazing. reference there. Oh, that's your PayPal uh, profile picture. Is that what it is? Me and Steph? I, yeah, I was going to ask you I that. I'm like, know. wait, when did yeah. you meet Steph Curry? Yes, oh, Super Bowl 52. He's like, oh, is that it? Is that it? I had no idea that was on there. That picture is Steph. And I have a, oh man, that was incredible. That was, that was, that was incredible. We need another one this year. It's in Vegas this year. Got to go. Got to go. Got to get it done. All right. I don't know. Is this the last? Is this number five? I, yeah, I you're, yeah, this okay, is five. This one. is five. All right. My last one. Um, Since you said you had a gym, what is your favorite exercise or favorite way to like work out, I guess? I'm a big body weight enthusiast. Like I, I like nothing more than... So I'm a big... um be able to do what you want to get done regardless of surrounding circumstances. And so, uh, you know, the one piece of equipment, so to speak, is like a kettlebell. You're talking just about, a, okay, go ahead. Just like, just like <laughs> a, I, was, give, I was guessing. <laughs> give me a basic bar and then everything else, like can run and sprint, pull-ups and chin-ups over the bar, push-ups off the floor, a lot of squats, various like single leg deadlifts and stretches. A lot of core plank stability ball game like that that's where i'm at in my life i i've gone through all the heavy lifting phases and the deadlifts and everything and i have a lot of respect for them but i like to just be i don't know free as a bird don't don't need an official gym just able to get what i need done i like that yeah just be able to use your body as your weight and yeah do mm-hmm. stuff that's great okay cool well yeah there we go gas thanks for uh you survived you made it through Let's go. I like um, I like a rapid segment. I like a rapid fire segment. Yeah, and it's fun because it's like it's not really about NFTs. It's kind of like different questions. Changes it up. Yeah. Switches it up. Makes it exciting. But yeah, thank you for coming on, Roger. I feel like I I mean I didn't know you before, but I feel like I know you now and you're you're very you're a very knowledgeable guy. And um now I gotta start reading all your art reports. So, so seriously, bring it on. Like, uh, well, I'll commit to, I want to start listening to more of your shows as well. Like I want to, I want to check out your ecosystem that you have going on. And then on the flip side, I'll encourage like true, truly my greatest inspiration is when people come at it and interact with the report. They're like, what do you mean by this? Or what's the history here? I like that. I like to hear that. I mean, that it just okay. fires, it fires me up to build the dialogue around art. So we'll, um, let, let's, let's trade some, some episodes for art reported interactions okay love that 
Yeah, and if you guys want to check out his art report, make sure you're following him on Twitter, Roger Dickerman. We'll link it in the show notes as well. Um, But with that said, Roger, you have any last minute thoughts before we end it? You run a great show, both of you. Let's go. Great environment, my favorite kind of conversation. I like that you touched on some things outside of NFTs. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for having me. And I'll see you out there in the streets. I love that we all started relatively speaking the same time. I got a little into Top Shot as well. So uh, onward and upward. Love it. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning into this episode of the NFT Catcher podcast. And we will catch you in the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.